Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. Today, I'm talking with David Chen and Jeff Mattis. David was one of the main writers on the game Narcosis, which is an underwater deep sea survival game. Jeff also worked on the script and voiced the lead in the game. And I got to voice a character in the game too. We avoid in this conversation the biggest of spoilers, but do save this episode if you want to experience the game without knowing some of the details. And here's something fun. If you want to experience the game, we have download codes available for the game uh, on Steam or Xbox. And anyone who is a current patron at the time of this publishing, uh, for $5 a month or more, you can have the game, which is pretty exciting. Uh, we'll send you all the details about that on Patreon. Also, a little warning, there is no music in Narcosis, so there's no music in this episode to prepare you for that. Uh, working on the game was very, very fun. Sam and I got to go to Berkeley, California twice for several days to do the recording, and Sam helped out with that recording process and with some of the script writing, too. I mean, we workshopped the script while we were out there, and we all were a part of that. So again, you're going to hear a conversation today from David Chen and then Jeff Mattis. My name is David, David Chen, and um, I was the writer on Narcosis and one of the sort of founding members of Honor Code, which is the development team that worked on the game. And I also uh, worked really closely with our voice actors in the game to get the the ideal and the best performance we could get out of them because that, that aspect of the game is really important to the overall experience. Yeah, and we'll definitely get into that as well. But David, you've worked on other games too, right? Uh, I've worked on a couple of games. Yeah, I've actually been <laughs> in the business for <laughs> a pretty long time. Um, I've worked on all kinds of games in, in a lot of different capacities, but um, the most notable would probably be the Metal Gear series. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked on several games in that series, starting from sort of the PSP era um, up into uh, the last one, Metal, the, the final one, I guess, Metal Gear Solid Five. And I worked as a, a sort of script editor. So basically, after the games were translated in English, all those thousands or hundreds of thousands of words, you know, I would um, sort of go over all those and, and try to really sort of sully up the text and, and make it sound slightly more plausible or natural sounding in English for the voice okay. actors. Very cool. So, Jeff, who the hell are you? <laughs> I am Jeff Mattis. I am uh, one of the lead voiceover actors for uh, Narcosis. And I also helped David uh, fine-tune and tweak and fine-tune some more the script. I also worked a little bit on uh, in an editing and writing capacity on the book uh, that accompanies the game. Um, That's right. So yeah, this is my this is my first major voiceover uh, uh, project, but I have you know I'm a trained actor. I've been in an indie film way back in the day when I graduated college. Uh, it's a festival thing. Uh, <laughs> called, it's called, it was called Changeover, and uh, I seriously doubt anybody will be able to dig anything up on that. Thankfully, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. So that's I, I, I've been interested in acting and voiceover for pretty much my whole life, and uh, decided to uh, attempt a career switch shift in my early forties. So. <laughs> that's that's going that's going about as expected but no no it's, uh, i'm looking forward to, to working on more projects in the future wonderful 
Well, David and and Jeff to a certain extent as well, because I know you were so heavily involved with the script. But David, tell us about the game. What's it about? And kind of what's the point? And then we can get into more detail uh, a little bit later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. You'd think I, I'd, I'd be better prepared to answer this question after all these years. But, um, you know, at, at its core, Narcosis is, is a survival story. It's basically um, recounting the events of, of a deep sea miner uh, who's sort of working beneath below the, at the bottom of the ocean. And he basically has the work day from hell. There's sort of a catastrophic accident. And he finds himself stranded. You know, he's cut off from his friends and colleagues. He's running out of oxygen. He's running out of uh, supplies. And he basically has a very singular goal, which is to find a way to the surface. And it's, um, you know, we, we definitely struggle with how to sort of present it. You know, it's, it's the, the easy shorthand is to call it a horror game. But, you know, we... We knew from the beginning, and definitely along the way, this this you know, we sort of reinforced this idea that it's, it doesn't really delve into a lot of the horror tropes or the things that you might associate with the genre. In that, there's not really any sort of supernatural element. There's not really any sort of ethical or moral element. Um, it's really more sort of learning about the means that this guy had to go to to survive, and mm-hmm. and along the way, learning about what. The, sort of the toll that took on him and what was going through his head um, during those, you know, six or seven hours that he was stranded and alone. Yeah, and to me, it's it's not horror, as you're saying, in the sense of I, thought, I feel fear. It's more anxiety. It's, it's, a, it's just this really present anxiety that, you know, I'm running out of oxygen or it's claustrophobic because you're in this dive suit and you're just in this helmet the whole time. And it is a VR game as well. And, uh, you know, those kinds of things add to the anxiety, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, obviously like the go perfect word for it is claustrophobic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, you, you're the, the very premise is that you're trapped in this, you know, hulking heavy duty industrial suit. And it's, you know, it's this very thin lining between you and the ocean and it's keeping you alive, it's keeping you breathing and it's keeping you mobile. But at the same time, um, you know, both narratively as well as sort of just, you know, in the game, you know, so as an experience, it's intended to feel extremely suffocating and, you know, almost debilitating, you know, like you, you like, you know, as you know, (laughs) we we coined this term a long time ago uh, and we worked, actually worked it in the game. It's called a walking coffin. And, you know, not only does that sound really slick, it's actually a really apt metaphor for, you know, the, the overall experience. It is. And Jeff, you're narrating through this experience, aren't you? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. David and I did a lot of discussion before uh, uh, we got ever got to recording anything about what type of character work we would be doing and what what sort of character this this narrator would be. And it's difficult to talk about in too much depth because there there are some spoilery things uh, associated with that. But um, really the you know the the key thing that we were we were really honed in on was making sure that this was not that this felt real, that this was not some hyper exaggerated melodramatic uh, you know Hollywood action movie version of uh, the events that transpire in the game. This is, um, you know, from a character perspective, we're looking at a guy who has undergone immense trauma, um, 
you know, trying to survive, has made some questionable decisions, and there is some, I guess, distance uh, in the way that he speaks about things, engages in that subject matter, uh, which is sort of revealed, you know, why he's sort of detached and distant. Um, mm-hmm. Some of that is revealed throughout the game. Some of that is, you know, when David and I were talking about, you know, what type of character is this guy, you know, on top of it being a very traumatic experience and wanting to be as real as possible there, you know, there was some discussion about, well, is this guy just sort of naturally more analytical and and emotionally closed off? And so there's there's sort of a nice uh, amalgamation of those things that I think comes through when you play when you play through the game. Mm-hmm. You sort of get all those answers answered. So I'm in the game too. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about that. Not nearly as much as you, though, Jeff. Um, but we did get a lot of chance to kind of workshop the script. Yes. And David, I remember when you initially reached out and you very much wanted us to be together to record this game. You didn't want me to record my voice tracks here in Minneapolis and Jeff record his in LA and then you put it together up in, in, you know, San Francisco. You wanted us to be in the same room. So tell us a little bit about that choice and if you think it paid off. Yeah. It's funny because this is bringing back so many memories. Um, (laughs) I dug out the email where I first reached out. And just a quick segue, I dug out the email where I first reached out to you and that was in 2015, yep. I think, yep. in like the winter of 2015. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, just the, the funny thing is, is I, I very vividly remember our first conversation, and I explained all about the game, and I explained about this character uh, that I thought it was being clear that you, you, you know, I was hoping you might be willing to do the voice acting for her. And at the very end of our call, you're like, that all sounds great. I can't wait to play it. <laughs> and and I was like, wait, no, I just spent 45 minutes explaining why I think you might be literally the singularly best person on the role in the world for this role. And and I, I guess I didn't actually explain the part where I was like, could you do this for us? It was really funny. Um, <laughs> That's but, great. but yeah, it, it, it was like I was like, wait, what did I what did I what went wrong here? Um, but yeah, so no, I, I said, I mean, I know I, I waxed about this, you know, like uh, enthusiastic and, and re- repeatedly to both of you is that we have to be in the room when we record this thing, same room when we record this thing, because of the very nature of this VO, um, which is fundamentally, it is intended to be a conversation between two people, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like a lot of VO, and it's not like the, in a voiceover in a lot of games where it's people barking out orders or sort of, ex, you know, delivering exposition or or uh, reading uh, a letter, you know, that might be, you know, or an email or something like that. It's, it's literally meant to be a conversation between two people. And the funny thing is that we did have, you know, I don't know if I'd call it the luxury, but you know, because the, because the game development went on so long, we actually had two sessions where we did meet in a studio together, and we just sort of, we, remember, we have, I know you guys don't remember it well, but we we. We got together for the weekend, and we dove in, and we just read tons of dialogue, and we reread tons of dialogue, and we go back and listen to dialogue, and make edits, and go back and do it again the next day. Um, but the interesting thing I think is that a lot of that did survive and ended up being used in the game. But in the end, despite what I said from the beginning for several years, we did end up recording lots of it, whether it be literally one line or a couple of lines, um, or even sort of transitions between lines, piecemeal later remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about I that, think- though, if I could just interject quickly, the thing yeah, about yeah. that, though, is that Jeff and I had already spent so much time together on the script exactly. in the same room exactly. that yes. when I did that, yeah. 
here. It it didn't, it, you know, I, I had that atmosphere. I I knew where to go, I guess, yeah. is what I'm we, saying. We couldn't have done it. We couldn't have done it to the, to the quality that we did without those those times that we spent together. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, yeah. We, we, we developed that rapport by being able to be, you know, in the same room, and then it makes it a lot easier when you're when you're trying to do a pickup line or or a, you know, tweak something here and there. You already sort of can put yourself back into that. Uh, I know I, I know how Emily's going to ask the question or or <laughs> what what she's going for, and she knows how I'm going to respond uh, to a large degree. And and yeah, it just made the whole process so much easier. And the funny thing is that the you know just to elaborate on sort of once again the unique nature of the VO is. You know, as people who've played the game know, what what you're actually listening to is two people having int- uh, intense and intent conversation in a studio mm-hmm. uh, with two microphones. And so the fact that we were emulating that in reality in order to create that experience was like, I think that was part of why it was so important to do it mm-hmm. at least those first few times together. Yeah, and so I mean, I guess it's it's a tiny bit spoilery as to what my role is because you know, as we were talking about before, when the game begins and for quite a bit of time into the game, the impression is given that Jeff is literally just narrating, uh, and then there's a point where you kind of start to piece together that he's talking to someone. I've done a fair a fair bit of watching YouTube streamers play through the stuff, and and you know the ending. Aside, because that's that seems to be something where you get a lot of great reactions when the final reveals all the pieces start coming together. But there are even times throughout the story where you can sort of see certain people are kind of on to one kernel of it, and you know, and then they they sort of alter their per- perception as the game sort of does that throughout. So it's it's a really cool thing to to watch evolve in real time. Mm-hmm. You know, we had those ideas for years, and, and it was like we were, we were always talking about them, always trying to explain them. And so to see that, by and large, it seems to work, that, you know, the areas where we deliberately misled people, sort of kept some information in the background or revealed some kernels of information, like Jeff said, it was, it was really, it's really pretty awesome just yeah. to see it all come together. And, you know, obviously you two were instrumental in making that happen. <laughs> so if I didn't say thanks before, thank you now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, David. And I, I think just to like I think just to make it completely clear is is you know, and this is a, a sort of medium sized spoiler, but you know, or maybe why don't you tell us sort of who your character is revealed to be, Emily? We know who Jeff's character, who is this sort of hard boiled, uh, over analytical survivor type, but who 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 are you, Emily? Well, I mean, I'm a radio host, and you know, no, no, I mean, in the game, in in the no. game. Oh, who's my name in the game? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I play a character called Emily Kaler, and I host. I'm like yes. it's an interview show, and so you know, it eventually becomes clear that Jeff is a guest on my show. And I'm talking to him about a book he wrote, and that's the other cool thing that you kind of briefly mentioned. Um, Jeff is that there is a book that comes with it because that's the whole that's the whole point of the interview is that he's written this book and in very typical fashion someone writes a book that's a bestseller of some sort they're probably going to be on a show like Fresh Air if not Fresh Air itself so uh, you know it's it's a very natural thing and and that's pretty cool that you guys actually made a book <laughs> yeah I mean and it's it's even more cool that we actually had an actual radio interviewer play the role of a radio interviewer <laughs> right. yeah. in our yeah. um, you know, fictional game about a fictional, supposedly non-fictional event. 
Um, <laughs> you know, it just added to the oversense of reality. There, there's a there's a lot of meta stuff going on that you know. <laughs> once you yeah. finish the game, you can dive into, and it's like, yes, there actually is a faux, you know, survivor's account, and there, yeah, you know, and yes, we actually used a real radio show host, and yes, Jeff is actually an industrial diver. No, not <laughs> well, but didn't we record a whole interview as well? Because the whole interview isn't in the game. It is in the game at the very end. At the very um, end. Okay. Yeah, and, and once again, just for the benefit of the people listening, um, we we wrote and recorded an entire, it must it's probably like a 40-minute episode of this fictional show called Open Air, including like station breaks and stuff like that, and then basically selectively layered snippets and clips of that interview into the game. And so, once again, as, as, the, as the sort of player's journey progresses, it becomes clearer and clearer exactly what they're hearing and, and sort of the perception of it changes. Hmm. Um, but and to your point, yeah, we, we did record the whole thing and, and, the, and the sequence in which those clips are unlocked in the game is true to the actual interview itself. Like we, we, we insisted, I mean, all, as, you, as you guys know, because we had to re-cut this thing apart so many times and like re-record transitions. Like we, we, I would have to be like, Emily, I just need to record a part say earlier we were referring, you know, we were talking about this when, yeah. you know, because we, we, we took a huge chunk of text and put it somewhere earlier in the game. And so most people don't know that. Most people probably wouldn't care. Most, you know, the few people who did unlock it, I don't know how many of them listened to it, but I think the fact that we went to that much effort uh, together, you know, and not just three of us, all you know, with, along with the rest of the team, you know, Quentin, the game designer, and Adrian, their audio guy. So much of that doesn't show through in the experience when you start the game to when you finish the game. But I, I you know, I have to believe that it, it really contributes to the overall sort of effect. Mm-hmm. David, do mm-hmm. you have a final like how long this project took to do? Because you know, you were one of the very first, well, at least in in the states. Yeah, and tell us the story of how that did come together with um, the Frenchmen and all of that. I was I was looking around. Um, I, I was interested in writing for a game. You know, I'd, I'd done a lot of editing and I'd done some small minor writing parts for you know many games, but I was really interested in trying to write the story and the narrative or, and the script for my own not my own game, but you know, sort of take ownership of that aspect of a game. And. Um, I met uh, this guy, Quentin, who was um, sort of the ringleader of this, this project called Narcosis. And as it turned out, it was sort of the, the class project that he and a bunch of his um, classmates had concluded their university with. And they'd, they'd gone to a prestigious game development school in France called Angemin. And they were actually all currently working in the game industry in different capacities in their different fields. But this was a project, you know, they sort of want, they revisited it, they kind of wanted to bring it to completion as a side project. Um, and that's sort of how I got involved because they were looking for someone to write, you know, actually write it in English. And um, as, as time went on, you know, we all began to recognize that, that we felt like we had something that was pretty special and that might be worth sort of diving into full time. Um, and so that process took a while, but, you know, we, we did all the things we did that were necessary to sort of get everyone on board full time. And really, I would say sort of development began in earnest in, you know, late 2004. 14, and we originally expected we'd be out in 2015, but that didn't that didn't work out. Yeah, it took it took a, a, a lot longer. I mean, that's the nature of independent game development, right? It's like you know we we had a lot of ambitions and and a lot of sort of uh, roadblocks and obstacles came along the way. But but basically, yeah, we were you know there's about seven of us, uh, most of the guys in France, and along the way we sort of added a few new members of the crew. Um, Adrian, who is our our audio wonderkind, actually came in. 
later in the project, uh, but he took over all the sound design as well as orchestration music and you know, actually being the engineer on the, uh, the voiceover sessions that we did with you guys. Jeff joined us in, I, I looked this up, I first reached out to him in December of 2013. <laughs> wow. 2013, I, I, yeah. I was still on the Weekend Confirmed podcast yeah. back then. That was, yeah. that, one, that was still a thing. Everyone's wow. been through a lot of changes since then. And, and so, oh I mean, this is really testament to like how, how dedicated uh, Jeff has been. It's like, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, we got this game. It's coming out next year. It's like, oh, it's going to be another year. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's like, you know, as we discussed, like this is long before, you know, I'd ever found you. And that's, that's a great story in itself, um, Emily. <laughs> but basically, you know, I was, sort of, I was writing in the dark. I was sort of making up this, these bits of dialogue, things that sounded cool. And I'd send him to Jeff and he would record them on his, in his, his home studio in his closet or <laughs> his friend's house, uh, who had a studio. And, you know, basically we had this luxury of being able to go back and forth for over the course of years, um, to really fine tune, not just the the language and the words that are used in these in, in these bits of dialogue, but also as as an extension, the character itself himself. Mm-hmm. And then so that process became, you know, took on a new element when when you came on board, playing a character much like yourself, basically, <laughs> at least professionally speaking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, but then yeah, then this this new voice got added into the equation, you know. And so yeah, we we weren't talking all the time, but every couple of weeks we'd have a thing or a review, and we'd we'd we would we'd say all the lines, we'd sort of make adjustments on the fly, we'd take recording, we'd put them in the game, see how it worked with the game, you know. Yeah. Of course, then the game would change, and you know, we'd take a level out or we'd, you know rearrange the sequence, and then so we'd have to go back and rewrite everything. And all this was happening before we even ever met in the studio for the first session, mm-hmm. right? And so we recorded all this audio and, and put it in the game, and it was all you know really high quality and everything. And then, of course, once again, the game kept changing and evolving, you know, as as all games do. Yeah. Um, so that necessitated another recording session, you know. But as you both know, and and I've told many people this, and they can't believe it, but you know, a lot of like words or sentences or you know uh, lines in the game were recorded literally weeks or even days before the game shipped. Um, yep. You know. <laughs> yeah, I remember some of those those last minute. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Especially so, the ending. The ending too. I mean, that was you know, I'm I'm actually thrilled and somewhat surprised that it we were able to do what we did with the end. Given given the it gets, you know, I won't go into spoilers, but it gets a little bit more complex from an audio perspective. We do some things that we don't do. Uh, earlier in the game, and it's it ends up working pretty damn well. Yeah, it's like we, we're cobbling together all these little bits and pieces, and and fine tuning. Like I said, it's, you know, can you deliver this word a slightly different way? Or can we go for a slightly different bit of inflection or a different emotion? Um, and you would think that that much, uh, you know, meddling, for lack of a better word, in, mm-hmm. in a performance, I think would would sort of you know mar the whole thing, but. You know, I mean, obviously, I can't be inj- objective about it, but like, I'm so happy with the way it came out, and and watching people and hearing people's reactions, the way this game concludes, and knowing how much of that is is centered on the you know the delivery of you two guys, and and just like you know the pauses and yeah the, you know the sighs and the humps and everything every little bit about especially the ending, it, it was very complicated. It's a big juggling act, but it seems to have worked out, and that was like really really incredible. So here's Jeff, or Kip, as he's named in the game, talking about the reason he was at the bottom of the sea in the first place, which was for a project called Oceanova. 
Oceanova was once in a lifetime. They're breaking new ground, making something meaningful. Mining methane hydrate frozen beneath the seabed. There's alternatives, but none so plentiful. It's clean and safe. I couldn't say no. This is something we stumbled across, you know, midway, but, you know, methane hydrate and, and the, the, the pursuit of mining is, is a real thing. You know, it's not fictional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, like, you know, we took liberties with how they might actually go about it and, you know, to make it sort of game friendly. And, and But, um, you know, once again, like for the first year, we we're like, oh, there's this sort of mining some substance or petroleum or, you know, some super fuel. But once we stumbled across this and found it's a real thing, hmm. once again, that, that grounded things in reality. And so throughout the game, there's all these visual cues, you know, monitors that are happening or labels on, on tanks and stuff, you know, reiterating that this is, this is the thing you're searching for, methane hydrate. Hmm. And so like Jeff said, it's like, tightrope is perfectly right because here we want it to sound like narration, right? And because as the game goes on, we deliberately add, add in a lot more hemming and hawing or, you know, he might, he might uh, stop himself mid-sentence and correct himself. But at this point, we wanted to sound clean and, and like pure, clean narration. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, we knew we had to be able to work this into a quote-unquote real interview later. Right. <laughs> and so, that, I mean, that's where the tightrope comes in. So, you know, here we, we kept the conversation, the, 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 his delivery clipped and clean, and at the same time, it's, it conveys a lot of information, right? Well, and the other fun thing, too, was having you read passages from the book, just like I would in, you know, were I to interview an author for an hour about the book they wrote. And that was that was really fun to have you read some passages, so we should listen to you do that, too. Check your gear, trust your training. One of the first things you learn. But the second they fail, you fall back on what you know best. For me, it's the list. This time, it wrote itself. Keep breathing, find others, and get the hell out. So yeah, that's one of those spots where, as part of the interview, I have, you know, I ask you to read a passage from the book, and... Um, but, but me, I'm not, I'm not in the game at that point. Right. And that allows us to sort of pass this off as a double, you know, could be interpreted a couple of different ways, right? It's Mm -hmm. in reality, it's the book passage that you're, that he's being asked to read. But at this stage in the game, you don't even know there's a book. There's, you know, right. uh, You don't know there's an interview. You don't know. You don't even know. know know Right. So, so it's, so it's trying to, uh, we tried to pick something that was, could could sort of be read both ways, and you know, in delivering this, it was it was a bit you know a bit challenging again because you you know you are reading something, your character is reading something, um, but you don't, and you and you sort of want to sound like you could be reading something, but mostly you want to sound like, <laughs> but not too much it. like you're reading. Yeah, something. right. Yeah. So it's, I mean, that's, that's because exactly. usually when you're doing VO, you're trying not to sound like you're not reading something, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. We actually right. want to sound like you're reading something. <laughs> At this point in the game, you know, as as you guys know, or you know, as, as people who played the game know, there aren't really sort of NPCs telling you what to do, right? They're right. not like, hey, this is the situation. You need to get six of these and go here and then unlock these three things in order to do this, right? right? And so we had to tell all these things through the environment, which was, you know, really challenging, you know. But also we had to use this narrative aspect as a way to reiterate to the player what are you supposed to be doing in a way that felt natural, 
right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, we're like, you know, check your gear, trust your training. You know, that's sort of a throwaway line. It sounds cool. But the second they fail, you fall back on what you know best. So, you know, it's like, okay, so it's, it's saying to you, this is your training, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then we come to this item, this thing called the list, uh, which is a, a, an element from the book, you know, and has a, a great amount. Of, it's really significant in the book, right, Jeff? You know, it's like oh, it's yeah, a key, the, it's no, a key part of the book. It, it sort of really tells yeah. you about this guy's character. But here, it doesn't matter. You, 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 when you're playing, you just sort of hear these words. But then it says, you know, keep breathing, find others, and get the hell out. And so, really, this this paragraph is a way to deliver those three last lines: keep breathing, find others, and get the hell out. It's saying, here's what you need to do, <laughs> you know, just in case it's not clear, because you're wandering <laughs> around in the dark and you have no light and you're running out of oxygen. Here's what you have to do. Across the team, it was really important for us to try to create this sense of total immersion or true immersion. And, and so, yeah, well, this is just another one of those things where in, in the context of the interview, this, his, uh, this, this line and this, you know, what he's talking about have a very different meaning than to the way it's placed into the game itself. Mm-hmm. It, it also serves a double function in that it reveals a little bit, just a taste of what this narrator is like. Right. You know, he can, he, you know, I compartmentalize stuff mm-hmm. and, you know, push all this noise aside and, you know, focus on, you know, just the facts, just the, just the key points. You yeah. Know, so that's, that's sort of the, where we first sort of tip that, tip the hat there. And and we also, you, David, had the idea to let me just literally off the cuff interview Jeff uh, because, yeah. y- you know, we had spent so much time together. We knew the story so well. We, we you know, knew kind of what the tone was and, and what was going on. And so one day you just said, I want you to just, just – Ask him some questions. Yeah. you know. Yeah, we no, we wrote down. We wrote. We everyone in the studio. We all wrote down questions on a piece of paper. Yeah, if you remember that, we I gave do. It to you in the studio. Yeah, <laughs> but I think what was interesting too is you know I was looking back on on this email I sent to Jeff um, when we were first introduced. This is long before I met him um, in 2013, and you know I described the basic you know scenario of the game and the basic narrative structure, and I was like, oh, you should you know reference Fresh Air with Terry Gross, but I was looking at the character description and it says. You know, male, late thirties, early forties, English speaker, but not necessarily American. In quotes, blue collar slash working class, not especially eloquent. Some combination of rugged, scruffy, clever, tough, shrewd, and or quote unquote manly. Um, and then manly. I said, yeah, possible. Like, I mean, I'm like, calling Jeff Mattis immediately. Yeah, exactly. And like you know, and then I said, you know, I said possible analogs. You know, include uh, you know the French Moroccan actor Jean Reno. Mickey Rourke, Forrest Whitaker, a far less sexy Harrison Ford, or a younger, less sophisticated Patrick Stewart. And so, like, what's, you know, like, I think I was very proud of myself at the time. I was like, ooh, here's this really interesting character device. But, like, this is an incredibly bland and uninteresting character. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, basically, it's like rugged white dude, you know? Yeah. And somewhere between 2013 and when the game shipped early this year, you know, we, it took on, this character became a real character. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's actually, you know, I mean, Jeff, I think you can speak to this too, but like, and there's, there's so many steps that happened along the way and a big part of it was writing the book, right? Yep. Yep. Um, and we, which we wrote with, uh, with this author, um, Alex Bayman. He's a, he's a sort of self-published sci-fi and horror author and he sort of, he helped us write the bulk of the book. And just to be clear, you know, the book is, is intended to be a non-fictional account of a non-fictional event, even though both are not actually, or both are actually fictional. You know? Right. So it's, it was supposed to be sort of in, in like a, uh, 
you know, like these true life survival books, like Into Thin Air, or Touching the Void, about you know people who survive incredible ordeals. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, and it's and and it's also it's all, just want to interject this. It's also a different perspective on the events of the game to a certain degree. So, if you haven't played the game or read the book and want to do both, I would recommend playing the game first uh, for sure because it'll you know it'll unfold those nuggets of awesomeness in a, the proper order. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, that that's the right way to piece together the puzzle. But but yeah. I guess you know what I'm saying is like it's. You know, Jeff, you alluded earlier about like how, you know, the opening lines we sort of wanted to sound like sort of your standard badass, tough guy, rugged survivor type. Um, But I think part of the reason people are gravitating not only to the game or this character, but your performance is that along the way he's revealed to be a very, a much more complex and sort of flawed person both in the context of the game as well as just this, this dude's kind of not, he's not all, you know, he's not, he's not someone you necessarily want to, you know, hang out with, you know? Right, right. No, he's a, he's a, a, yeah, not, not the fun time at the party. And, and so it's interesting because like, you know, when people are, when I've read some of the commentary, it's like, you know, some people like, I, I don't think a lot of people really, uh, I don't think it's like crystal clear to people. It's more sort of like a subconscious thing, but some people are like, man, this guy is really kind of a dick. <laughs> you know, and like, yeah, or you know, or like nobody would ever, you know, speak or behave this way. There is a uh, a quote from the game that sort of uh, it's a where Emily's talking about being candid about describing some circumstances, being crippled to fear. Yeah, let's hear some Emily. You're very candid when describing some circumstances, times when you felt crippled with fear, coming across the bodies of friends and colleagues. Yeah. It's clear you care, but there's an undercurrent of detachment in the way you present some of the more difficult moments. Was that your intention? No, I, I've heard that before. I just did my best to paint a clear picture. When it comes to empathy, there's no manual for that. We were talking earlier about when we were doing the improv stuff, and there was a specific line that you know you. I, I don't even think you were really improving it, Emily, but but you said you asked this question to Jeff, and you're like, you said you're you're an engineer, uh, a problem solver, but there were some problems you couldn't solve, and I remember like flipping out in the studio and like going <laughs> writing that down. Do you know what I mean? And so we've literally that. I mean that that line, and you know maybe you can play it later, but like. We worked that line into the game because that was an authentic question you were asking. Mm-hmm. And one thing that surprises me continually, Emily, is you know when I used to sort of pitch the game or I used to talk to people trying to explain the game, I'd say you know first this guy's talking to himself, then you realize he's talking to someone else, then there's this dramatic sequence, and we finally layer in the other person's voice, and it's Emily's voice. And um, sort of on paper, that was all very clear and cut and dry, and, and by and large, these reveals seem to work for most people. Mm-hmm. But the one the one, the one thing that, for some reason, doesn't really seem to catch people off guard is, you know, I know you, know, you guys know what I'm talking about, but you know, you finally you do all these things in this this um, this uh, water over this base that's been overrun by the ocean, and you you get on this shuttle to go to the other facility, mm-hmm. and as you are making your way along, it's sort of this respite. It's like a moment where you get to just chill out and just sort of just literally catch a breath, and um, all of a sudden there's this, without getting too descriptive, there's an accident, a very uh, abrupt accident. 
And at the same time, for the first time in the game, Emily's voice is heard. And, and she has this sort of very pointed, sort of almost ominous question. And then everything goes crazy. And, and then the game gets actually really trippy after that. <laughs> but, right, yeah. but, but the one, the one that, I, I, like once again, having watched dozens of people play this game and watching their face cams and they're watching them freak out when there's jump scares and stuff. Nobody, like only one or two people has ever been like, wait, who's that? You know, <laughs> which is really interesting to me. Like, I don't know, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's like a failure on our part as, as the game creators, but like there's some, some maybe there's like two ele- too many elements coming in, but like, because uh, my in, well, the way I envisioned it was like, people are going to be like, oh my God, there's another voice. Who is that? What's going on? You know, and nobody ever says anything. Like, and it's really, I think, like, they're just like, they just take it in stride. They're like, oh yeah, like I've been listening to one person talk for two and a half hours and now I hear another person, but that doesn't intrigue it's, me it's, in the slightest. I, I've noticed that a bit too, David, but I think it has more to do with the fact that that, that moment has three, what the hell, you know, sort of mind blowing things packed into it. One is the reveal of, of Emily's voice. The other one is the accident that you mentioned. And then when you come out of the accident, that's another completely, you know, I won't spoil it, but it's another completely, you know, out of the box, wait, what is going on sort of experience. So I think getting hit with those three things actually is effective. It's just, you default to commenting on, you know, what the most shocking was. Well, fellas, such a pleasure to have gotten to work on this project with you guys. Seriously, just lifelong memories and so much fun. It was just so much fun to spend time with you guys and get to know you better. And um, just so glad at how everything turned out. It turned out great. And, you know, just hoping more and more people will play it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, no, you go ahead, Jeff. Oh, no, I was just going to say, no. Th- I was going to sort of echo your sentiments, Emily. I, I mean, it was a great experience. It was wonderful getting to work with both of you um, and the rest of the team. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think I think all I can say is it's really nice to hear your guys' voices again. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that is true, too. Thanks for listening to episode 85 of Level with Emily Reese. You can learn more and find links to some spots in the game at patreon.com level. Big, giant thank you to David for providing patrons with download codes to play the game. If you're $5 a month or more, as of the time we're putting this up, you can uh, play the game for free. Pretty cool. And thank you, thank you, thank you, David, for everything. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services and composer Brad Gentle. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Incorporated.